0: In 2016, scientists on Earth detected a fast radio burst from a distant region of space with no observable stars. The following transmissions were declassified by the scientific community and given to us to present as the Binary Saga.
1: Log Entry, Vela 83, Vela Rotat 2707, Cycle 5 of the 7th Annual. Hey there Siege, I completely understand the feeling behind wanting to delay some information that could be painful, so there's no judgment on this end. It never even crossed my mind that Janine would be the one to send me the news. When something like that happens, it's as though everything just stops, and it's hard to process all of the information that's coming in. Having people who are close to you step in to help is exactly what you needed at that point. I find myself in a similar situation with Nosu, my natural mother. I told you that she was not doing well a few rotats back. Well, to be honest, I purposely have not looked into what may or may not have happened to her. I know that on the surface that may sound selfish or even cruel, but I know that, especially now, you understand why I would make that choice. When I left that room... She was exactly who she needed to be for me. Someone who loved me and cared for me from a distance. The person who brought me into the world and gave me to the person she knew would be the best for me. That person is who I need her to remain as. In my mind and in my heart, she's still in that room, making crude jokes about me, but with love in her eyes. I will hold on to that as long as I can. Even though I know, deep down, that she's probably gone by this point. That's what you needed to do for Andy. You felt that by writing to me, it would solidify that reality that he was gone. And you weren't ready for that. I want you to understand that I know how that feels, and that it's okay. Mom would tell me that when she lost Papa Gisto, the feelings you have were the same for her. She would say that she would have moments where she would reach for her terminal to call him about something and then realize that he wouldn't pick up. Or that she would just be going into work and a song would come on that reminded her of something he would do. She told me that the best way she could cope with it was to imagine the call with Papa Gisto. And she said she could hear his voice reply to her. Or that the memory she was reminded of was just his way of showing that he was still around and part of her life. She took comfort in that he was always with her. Hopefully that will be how it works for you and Andy. All of those moments with him are still in you and will be forever. His voice can still guide you and be there for you when you need him to be. It sounds like you have lots of others that will also fill that void. I can't believe that Bjorn faced his fears, and made the trip all the way there. I have to wonder what was in that message that you were writing to me, and if it could have changed the tide so much that I would fight through all of the bureaucracy and restrictions to try and make the trip there. Not that I haven't tried already. Lots of arguments about the physical effects of travel that distance and fleet boundaries. I'm glad that Bjorn was able to be there for you. While I know that you're surrounded by those that care and will help, it sounds like Bjorn knows First Web, what you're going through, and what you need. I saw in some of the pictures you sent your matching huthfjor. We don't have anything like that here, so it's neat to see what they look like. All of your huthfjor look cool, and they really make you even more unique. It seems strange, but also fitting, that Iria should take over House Venstrasse. It always seemed like the house was looking for the right person to lead it ever since Alora passed away. First with Raythea, and then with Andy. It sounds like neither of them really wanted the position, and were forced into it. I'm sure that with Iria and House Newspark, the company will thrive in a way that it wasn't able to before. That's not to say that it wasn't doing better with Andy in charge, but I think we both know that he really wanted to be with you and the girls instead. Speaking of the girls... How are they settling in with the new routine? Hopefully it's all going well. Not that I have any doubts about it, but do keep a close eye on them. There may be times where everything appears to be completely normal, but something could be off. Either something at classes or even just a random event can trigger memory or loss. I would never want them to go through what I went through. The best thing that you can do with them is to just be open and honest with anything they may be feeling. Aaron and I both watched the video you sent of them swimming multiple times, and each time we would laugh and flood while waving back at them. It was the cutest thing we'd ever seen, and we both demand more videos. We even made one for them. I placed the camera on the railing of the Astra so you can see us dive into the water and splash each other just like they did in theirs you can see us wave back at them and at you. I'm so happy for Janine that she and Rune were finally able to solidify their relationship. You can tell her that on Vela, they would have already been considered a pairing and that some fancy ceremony wouldn't be needed here, but that I'm happy that they got to experience such a special event with all of their loved ones around them. What a cool location to mark the special occasion too. I remember you telling me about that tower, and I believe it's even on the list of places that we are going to go visit when I get there, right? So tell me, right after the proposal, did Rune do some crazy jump off the tower in a Saiyap suit? It seems like something he would do. I'm also glad that even with everything else going on, you were able to see that the world continues to move forward, and that there is plenty of happiness out there for all of us to experience. Mom has been giving me regular updates on the trade negotiations, and had mentioned that, while overall the terms looked good, there were still a few things that the Council weren't entirely happy about. Something about the value of certain items not translating to their proper values on a Heimavina. It's kind of crazy to think how one would even begin to convert two different planets' economical systems that are as different as ours. With the Elithians, at least there was a general basis to start from, as the culture and even the species were the same from the start. With the airwaves picking up broadcasts of general audio and vid programs from Hymovina, there have been a number of analysts that are pulling information to properly estimate value of certain items and translate it into a form of felon value. But due to these broadcasts being public record and sometimes skewed to public opinion, it's hard to evaluate. She mentioned that you even have a few shows there dedicated to selling things, and that most of the items appear to be worthless and useless. But according to the announcers, there are thousands of orders being made. How many different little glass figurines of children does one mana need? Back here, our moon duty has been ramping up to almost unsustainable levels. New craft are being built, and others modified with sensor and imaging packages to dedicate to it. The VSA has a constant rotation of missions, either from Vela to each moon, or from Chona to Chone. While there are still the usual runs out to the other planets in the system, there is a huge focus on this project right now. At this moment, I'm traveling between the moons, back to Chona, with a load of scientists that are going to be dropped off on the surface opposite the normal base camp. One of them is my old friend Navi. She and her partner, Tumo have been the lead scientists on this project and are the ones pulling in all of these resources, including all of my pilots. They did so because the satellite imagery they have been getting from everything they have dumped into orbit just hasn't been enough. They needed shuttles flying into a lower orbit to get better readings without all of the debris that is floating around both moons. Normally, I would say that it's too much for a simple project, But once I started to see all of the data they gathered, I started to understand all of the fascination. I have mentioned that it was always speculated that Chona and Chone were actually one moon a long time ago. You remember that children's story I mentioned? Well, Navi had based her entire investigation on it. She had a copy of one of the last remaining written versions of it framed on her wall in her office. She said that when she was younger, her father would tell it to her as a bedtime story. When she was older, she asked him where it came from, and he said it was just something that his father would tell him when he was growing up, and it's been like that for generations. It took her forever to find a copy of it, and that explains why I couldn't find it and had only ever heard the story. For so many generations, it was never written down. This was a story that everyone always just told their kids about. Mom even said that Mama Amai would tell her the story when she was young, but they never had a copy of it. In an effort to not let the story die out, Navi digitized the written copy that she had, and, with all of the publicity that the project has been getting, there has been a resurgence of the story. I'm attaching a copy of it for you here. Maybe the girls will like it. The amazing part of all of this is that this children's story may have been somewhat true. Well, not so much that the original moon is our mother and that Von La is our father, but that the moon was once a single planetary object. Using all of the images and seeing that scarring, you can see where the two, Chona and Chone, actually fit together like a broken toy or a puzzle piece. Naturally, there are some areas that have completely broken apart, but... By analyzing all of the debris in the area around both of them, and the known parts that have fallen to Vela, Navi and Tumo have built a computer model of the moons and how they fit together. I really have no idea what this is going to mean for my people aside from a deeper understanding of our history and the system we live in, but it's all very fascinating and I can tell that the teams involved are all excited about the discovery what it does mean right now is that there's lots of work for the VSA and all of the pilots, yours truly included. It's what I've been doing for the last rotat of my life. Lots of traveling back and forth from one moon to the other. Or I should say, one half of the moon to the other? I don't even know anymore. Aaron has been able to join me on a few of the missions lately. They are using the SI to handle a lot of the data processing and collection, and having a specialist aboard to modify the system on the fly has been really helpful. I think that's why the VSA has requested me more often than not, because they know they have a greater chance to get her up there. Since some of these trips can take a few annuals at a time, it's been a good way for us to be able to spend time together. When we're not doing the usual daily duties, I've been working with her on microgravity gymnastics. Well, that's what I call it. It's our ability to just move around the station parts that aren't in the habitat rings and subject to VSG. After all this time, she still has some trouble getting through the access tubes and judging her velocity. When she is not aboard the vessel, on some missions when another specialist is around, or she can't get away from her teaching schedule... She modified the SI that governs my quarters to be more like her own personality. So even when she's not here, it's like she is. It's that, or she hacked the system to call her directly, and it's really her I'm talking to when I'm not on duty. It's really hard to tell sometimes. The sigh in my room even gives me snarky replies to some of my requests, just like she would. The whole rest of the ship behaves normally. It's only in my room. The crazy thing is that when I bring anyone else into my cabin, it behaves normally. Some of the crew are starting to question my sanity. A while back you asked if mom was able to do something from inside the council about my issues involving the punishment bestowed upon me that prevented my participating in any sort of mating ceremony. I'm happy to report that after a number of cases surfaced that were similar to mine, children that were unjustly punished due to crimes that their parents committed, the council has opened a special investigation for a case-by-case review of the punishments. Now, don't get excited just yet, because this is a very old law that was in place. There are a lot of cases that need to be reviewed, and I'm just one of them. There is such a backlog for them to review that it may be a rotat or two before they even get to me. Mom is confident that, given all of the various circumstances involved, that the ruling will be overturned. But because she is so closely involved in my specific case, they can't pull any special favors, and it has to wait its turn. Who knows? Maybe in a few rotats, Astra, Callista, and Ragna will have a new Velen cousin they can write to. Of course, I should mention that Aaron is very excited about this possibility. She always told me that she accepted that we might never have a child together, but I know it's something that she is really interested in. I could tell by the way she would watch the vids you send of the girls. I will keep you updated on any further news. The last thing I want to tell you is probably just a repeat of things I've said in the past and what everyone around you is already saying. But I think it's worth saying again. Andy will always be with us. All of us. No one should ever be scared to do something because of what happened to someone else. Instead, we will always learn from the past and use that knowledge to move forward into a better future. I will keep sailing and flying, and Andy will be here with me when I do. One of these cycles, I will make it to Haimavina to see you and the girls. And through all of our shared experiences with him... Andy will be there with us when that happens. Together, we will raise a glass to him and thank him for being a guiding star on our journey. May the waves guide you. Jason, 53. Cho in the Sky Felinata, our home Cho, our mother who watches over us Cho would see us live. Cho would watch us pass. By day, Vaughn would take care of our needs. By night, Cho would protect our sleep. She would shine down on us when we were scared. She would guide us when we were lost. Rotats would go by, and Cho was there, bigger than all life. A few times a year, she would visit with Vaughn, coming together to express their love for Velenata. After one meeting with Vaughn, Cho grew large with child. Her labor brought her closer to Velenata. The seas raged and the skies flooded. Suddenly, it was quiet again, and Cho was gone. In her place was two beautiful children, Chona and Chone, the brother and sister. Our nights were still protected. Chona for the first part, Chone for the next. Von would still watch the day and visit with each of his children as they passed by. Cho gave us her children so they may calm the storms and passed over Velanata's protection to them. Velenata, our home. Chona and Chone who watch over us.
0: Log Entry, Himavina 83, 2388, Age of Enlightenment Hey Jason, I'm trying not to cry again but the vid of you reading Cho in the Sky to the girls may have made me flood. Thank you. The girls love it, and demand I play your video as part of their nightly routine. In fact, I sent a copy of the book and your video to the girls' Velen language instructor. It has become a huge hit with the class. I've attached a bunch of the art the kids did in class of their interpretation of the book for Navi. I can't wait for you to open the files. Some kids are quite talented. Especially mine. (laughs) Okay, I might be biased. I'm hoping that Navi will think it's neat to see that her discovery is encouraging so many young minds to look beyond the stars. Speaking of, what an amazing discovery that the Velen moons were once one large moon. That's incredible. Helgi always likes to say that space is infinite and anything is possible out there. I understand that the Velen moons are more like large asteroids... But I wonder if the tides were different, or even if the velans were different before the split. Look what happened to our planet after the Cittasonda. Our planet changed, and we adjusted. I get that right now, this discovery is not making your work life easier, but at least Erin can accompany you on some of your missions. That has to be a nice change, and a lot less lonely. I think it's sweet that she makes the SI in your bunk more personal. I should have her record my voice just to scare the skit out of you. (laughs) Then your crewmates will really think you've gone mental. But Jason, I think you're missing the bigger picture regarding this discovery. The scientists can examine inside of an asteroid. Maybe even discover minerals that can be used to advance other technologies. Or items that can be made into mm, jewelry, maybe a set of earrings. Shuttling people around sounds way better than my day. I spent three hours on a conference call with Representative Bremner of Alondra. He was bent out of shape about four items from the latest documents we received from Vela. Yes, four items. Bremner was a brilliant agronomist, and is now a leader of the Samcoma Committee on Agriculture. He's very protective of his planet's resources, and he keeps inflating the value of certain grains and salts against similar Velen commodities. In fact, before I started this message to you, I was on a call with Jeremy Skarskar, the Hoxa deputy director, and he was complaining to me about the internal bickering that has made it nearly impossible for them to decide how much technology to share with the VSA. Apparently, the meetings have become so unproductive that Jeremy just sits in vid conference calls and plays Realm of the Fallen Oracle in the background while the trade team scientists and engineers argue over the same things. Despite the slow progress, not long after my last message, the Trade Commission chose the advanced team for Tangan Station. You may have seen the list, which included a few diplomats, a couple representatives from each planet, and advanced engineering teams from Hoxha and the fleet. I was selected, but I withdrew my name. My girls are too young, and with Andy passing, I have to think about their needs first, even if it was only for a couple of weeks. So Sion Leif Rolana is taking my place and will join Daya Yowlin as the House representatives. Us House members are just private sector advisors, so we can't make policy, but we can influence it. Leif was very excited to hear that your mom was a fan of his house's VIN and promised to bring a case of their special reserve for her. Leif is about 200 years old and a fan of his own product, but he is good for morale. He always tells me, if I was a hundred years younger, I would be hitting on you." Which is the same joke he used to make in front of his wife and Andy. <laughs> Both of them always laughed. Leif is as harmless as he is hilarious. Finally, because the teams will be traveling on an Olithian fleet spacecraft, Aunt Juniper will be on the first contact team, as the fourth fleet's admiral. She's also very excited. It's been almost a year since the girls and I returned to Veron with Bjorn, Janine, and Rune. I still have to run the House Jorgensen satellite office, and I think my deputy was ready for me to return. I even happily granted her request to take several months off. She deserved it. One of the privileges of familial ties to the spacing industry is access to new technology, like the improved House Newspark family starship. Kelgi and Reese have further improved the shielding and the dampening for the subspace engines, and the tingling sensation is all but gone. The ship's internal sound system actually has to broadcast a very subtle background noise because during the testing, it was so quiet people got disorientated. Like most interstellar spacecraft, the ceilings are vid screens. But this ship is piloting a new program that sets the screens to match the current time and weather of the arrival city, which in our case was Telena. The idea is that you arrive at your destination already adjusted to the local time, which should make it a lot easier for the passengers and crew. Also, after the shields close, the public windows also become screens that display views of the destination adjusted to look like the ship is a local hotel. It might all sound a little basic, but previously vid screens just showed art, and the ship time never matched the arrival time. It's been very popular, and Helgi's team's plan is to roll it across all of the Verkstad fleet. But none of that prevented Bjorn from stressing out when we boarded the ship. He had to stop a few times in the ship's main gallery to do some relaxation exercises. When we all got to the observation deck and the shields began to close, Bjorn started breathing faster, and he put his head down between his legs. Janine rubbed her dad's back and told him to look out the windows. Bjorn smiled when he saw the pre-recorded vids of the Tilina skyline. And then the cutest thing happened. Callista handed Bjorn her far home plushie, which she carries everywhere, and told him that he could borrow Loffy to keep him company on the flight. It was so sweet. We all stayed in one of the larger family suites. None of us worked during the flight. Instead, we played with the girls, hung out in the game rooms, and made plenty of trips to the pool. During the evenings, the seven of us would hang out in the suite's living room and just watch fits. But every night, after the girls went to bed, and Janine and Rune escaped to the ship's lounge to have some time to themselves, I kept Yorn company as his heavy anxiety drugs worked their magic. I would just sit with him as he fell asleep. I felt incredibly grateful, embarrassed, and guilty that he was making this stressful trip for me. I thanked him repeatedly. And apologized to him about the message. Finally, one night, he mumbled, Sweetheart, my visit wasn't just about you. You aren't the only one who lost Anduin. I miss him too. (laughs) Once back on Viron, I enrolled the girls in an academic program for children of diplomats and fleet families who need to be on different worlds half of the year. Their academic curriculum stays the same, just in a different location. It's great, because my girls will be friends with kids from similar situations, but from different planets and cultures. Right now, their schooling is still mostly recess, language, and basic arithmetic, but they love it. Even though we travel frequently, I needed something more permanent for the girls while we were on Viron. Living at my parents' vacation home wasn't going to work. I wanted the girls to have their own space, so that they feel like they're home when they're here too. I purchased a place in Talina's Ravenna neighborhood. It's not huge, but it's nice, and it has a little private yard. Astra has her own room, but the twins insisted they share a room, so I have an extra guest room, if anyone wants to visit from Bella. I love the neighborhood. There are trees everywhere, walking trails, impromptu block parties, and there are tons of kids. It's what Andy wanted for them. And I know he would be happy with my choice. Bjorn is here all of the time. In fact, he lives within walking distance, which is nice because on Saturday mornings, we all walk to the neighborhood farmer's market. Bjorn buys the girls warm apple cider and elgar ears. Elgar ears are fried dough with hunaya. They are tasty, but the girls need an hour on the playground to burn off the sugar rush. Bjorn and the girls have also come up with these crazy bedtime stories. In fact, one evening, the four of them performed an elaborate bedtime story they created about three fairies and a farhoon. The girls dressed in fairy wings that my mom purchased for them. And Bjorn was the narrator and the farhoon. <laughs> the Laurel and sisters and I almost lost our breaths laughing at the sight of him on his hands and knees, with his long hair braided and wrapped into buns for his farhoon ears. <laughs> Honestly, I think Bjorn was having more fun than the girls. Yes, of course, the vid is absolutely attached. (laughs) Janine has also brought the girls a small tent that she and her sisters had as kids. It's red, and it's decorated with lots of colorful ribbons. She calls it the Sister's Tent, and everything they tell each other stays in the tent. Apparently, Alora did this for Janine and her sisters when they were kids. I'm not allowed in the tent, but the Laurelund sisters are. (laughs) Apparently they're all sisters now. When I asked Astra to explain, she simply told me that I wouldn't understand, as I don't have any sisters. (laughs) And this is the kind of sass you can look forward to when you and Aaron have a child. (laughs) Yes, I know, I know. I'm not supposed to get excited about that, but I can't help it. I haven't told anyone for fear I may jinx it, but I'm crossing my thumbs for you both. In the meantime... Do you guys want to practice with a set of twins? (laughs) The girls' nanny have nicknamed them Mischief and Mayhem and claims that the only time they're not talking is when they are asleep. This would be funnier if it wasn't so true. I still have business on Alondra, but I try to pack all my meetings in one day, so I'm only away from the girls overnight. Because of that, I hired an amazing Veronian nanny named Matt. He's around our age, and an inspiring stand-up comedian. The girls adore him, because he's constantly making them laugh. Matt also has a super crush on Bjorn. The first time I introduced them, we walked down to Bjorn's house so the girls could play in his pool, which, by the way, they will happily tell you all about whether you were asked or not. (laughs) Anyway, I thought Matt had lost his ability to speak when Bjorn clasped arms with him. The girls then dragged Bjorn outside to the pool, and Matt immediately cornered me in the kitchen and said, When you said that you were introducing me to one of your best friends, I was not expecting it to be the dreamy Lord Laurelin. I told him he was as bad as Mari and Heather, who still giggle like schoolgirls around Bjorn. Matt folded his arms and raised his eyebrow at me. I explained to him that I wasn't blind, but that Bjorn was like family, And I don't know what I would do without him these past couple of years. And then, of course, I burst into tears like I am now because I started to miss Andy. Matt hugged me until I stopped crying. After I apologized for getting makeup all over his shirt, we walked outside and we watched Bjorn help the girls into their floaties. Matt whispered to me, Let's focus on something else, okay? Like his abs. Mm. (laughs) That still makes me laugh. Matt's been great for me, too. (laughs) Aside from Matt, I feel really lucky to have such a supportive family and friends, because everyone did what they could to help the girls. We made sure that they could talk about their feelings and know that they are loved every day. And they've been doing really well. We all are. Like we all came back to life on Viron. In Venstrossen News, Raethi decided to go back to what she loved and opened a new restaurant I attended a preview with the rest of the Winstrasse family. It's a beautiful restaurant, and not surprisingly, the reviews have been stellar. She looks happy and relaxed for the first time since Andy died. She told me that she and Reese still struggle with the loss of their firstborn, but they know that Andy lives on in our babies. She and Reese love taking the girls for a weekend once a month. As they get older, Raythea said that she would love to have them for a couple weeks, or even the entire summer break. And I told her the girls would love it. Raythea transformed Andy's old apartment into the girls' apartment. Andy's office is now Astra's bedroom. The twins have Andy's old room, and the sitting room is a playroom. I love this idea so much that I changed the apartment that I shared with Andy at the Jorgensen estate the same way. I moved into the apartment across from them. That way, I'm so close if they want to climb into bed with me, which they often do. In some bright news, Janine and Rune got married. They held their ceremony in a replica stave building, and it was the largest wedding I have ever been to. Janine wore the black diamond ring Andy gave to me as a trinket from another mother. My dad allowed them to use the Jorgensen sword to cut their hands. And the girls were mesmerized and kept whispering to me during the ceremony that their sister looked like a fairy queen in her pink blush wedding dress. Janine and Rune went through all of the mana traditions, as well as a couple from Yasna that I had never seen before that were incredibly touching. I was really worried I was going to be too emotional during the ceremony, but I wasn't. I was filled with so much love watching them atone their vows. Bjorn, on the other hand, was a happy mess. Bjorn's other daughters, Inez and Rin, sat on either side of him, with their arms around him and their heads on his shoulders. At the end of the ceremony, Aster ran up to Bjorn and gave him a hug. She was so worried about him, which only made him happily cry more. (laughs) The reception was held at the Cider House at the old Peterson Orchard. The Cider House was built for large events, and the orchard has been around for almost 3,000 years. Isn't that cool? Inside, soft lighting hung from the rafters, and it was incredibly beautiful and romantic. There was a full dinner, speeches, a live band, and my mom sang Eternal for Janine and Rune as they danced. A very moving surprise was when the Vinstrasser brothers, Laurel sisters, and Rune's brothers performed an ancient war dance for the happy couple. Once they started, anyone who knew it stood up and joined in, including myself. It was so amazing. I had a great time until I saw Bjorn and Janine dance together. And while my soul was filled with happiness... I felt a deep sadness knowing that Andy would not be able to do that with our girls. I was startled when Bjorn's mother, Elena, abruptly sat down beside me and said in an ancient, Don't let Anduin's death become your identity. My son allowed Jana's death to define him for years, and I don't want to see you do the same thing. You are the shield maiden. Don't forget that, Kulta. Elena then kissed my forehead and got up and joined her husband Nikolai on the dance floor. I sat there stunned. Oli, who I had not noticed, was sitting with an earshot and said, I see you've met what passes as Elena's softer side. Don't get used to it. I practically spit out my drink in laughter. He proceeded to tell me how Elena still refers to Erko as that fly boy, called Yana, mm, that tavern girl and calls him Wasted Potential, (laughs) because she thinks he should have gone for Speaker of the Samcoma instead of running for Senior Minister. I leaned towards Ole and told him that I agreed with Elena, and he would have been a great Speaker. Ole shook his head with a laugh. After we got home and the girls were in bed, I put on one of Andy's old sweatshirts that I haven't had the heart to give away, and I curled up on my sofa. I told myself... I can't keep mourning all of the things that will never be. I reflected on what Elena said, and she's right. I don't want Widow to be my whole identity, and I don't want to keep living under this cloud, but sometimes I feel so guilty that I'm having a good time. I know Andy would not want me to sit around with only my grief to keep me company. He would want me to remember all the good things about him and be happy again. Love. C.J., age 53.
1: Log Entry, Bella 84. Vela Rotat 2708, Cycle 7 of the Tenth Anul. Hey there, Siege. It was only a few cycles ago that the list for Tenga Station came into the Council. A certain someone let me see an early copy of that list and let me know that your name was among those who would be showing up for the first contact meeting there. I showed it to Aaron, and even she was excited and told me that I needed to go. I called up every command executive I knew to make sure that my name was put forward and to be the lead for the vessel heading out. It actually wasn't that hard, considering they all knew me and that I would be surging for the opportunity to be there for this momentous occasion. Some of the heads of the VSA were already considering me for the position. I was told that they had special plans for me. I didn't know what that meant at the time. I was just too damn excited. The trip out was a long one, as I'm sure you know. Any sort of intrasystem travel takes a while. We traveled at 1.4 times VSG to cut down on time and allow the passengers the chance to adjust to the 1.2 VSG that was being set at Tanga. As we approached Tanga, Everyone that hadn't made the trip before gaped out the viewports at the sheer size of the station. The others who had been making this run for a while laughed at us, but they knew the feeling because they all did it their first time. I had heard about the scale before, but seeing it in person is another thing. It made La Cula R seem like a waste processing station. Sleek lines, bright lights, and the hab ring on it was three times the size of anything we have back home. In addition to the personnel who were attending the meeting, we were also carrying a routine staff rotation for the station. Tenga staff numbers between 500 and 700 people to make it run. That's everyone from mission operations to the wait staff for the three different lounges and restaurants aboard. They have luxury quarters for up to 100 guests designed with both Velen and Haimavenen comforts in mind. That doesn't even include all of the cabins designated for those working on the station. While those may not be quite as nice as the ones for guests, they are still pretty decent. The entire station was designed as a fusion of Haimavenen and Velen architecture. Those making it used footage and schematics from your world to decorate with the goal of making anyone coming from there as comfortable as possible. We arrived at the station a full cycle before the delegation from Heimavina was scheduled, so we could go through all of the motions and set up. This involved doing about 50 different rehearsals for everything because no one wanted to get anything wrong. The climate of the station was adjusted to be much colder than what we're used to, probably closer to some of the warmer areas of your planet. They even adjusted the gravity of the habring to be more in line with Heimavina's From what I understand, the gravity on your world is about 1.4 times that of Vela. So our adjustment was meant to be a halfway point between our two worlds. Most of the spacer folks are used to working in varying levels of gravity. So for us, it wasn't much of an adjustment. The council and dignitaries though, yeah, they needed more time to adjust. When the shuttle from your fleet was on approach, we got word that all of these comforts were appreciated but that all of the visitors would actually be housed on their own vessels, so it wasn't even necessary. All of that worked to create an environment for everyone and they didn't even want to stay on the station. Clearly, this was off to a great start. Remember how I said that the VSA had a plan for me? Well, I quickly learned what that was. Due to my lineage and position as a mission commander, As well as being one of the few villains to venture outside of our own system, I apparently had a major role to play in all of the ceremonies. I was to stand at the back wall wearing the fanciest uniform I had and do. nothing. Seriously, I was a prop on display. I was told many times over to limit my engagement with anyone. Here was one of the most important events of our shared history. And I'm on display like a fancy passu. You can imagine me standing there, watching all of the different people walk off the shuttle that landed, parading out to a Velen band playing a fancy version of the Hymovina anthem. When the last person exited the ramp, which happened to be Juniper by the way, I just stared. You were missing. I knew that not everyone from the delegation would be on that first shuttle but I couldn't imagine that you wouldn't be one of them. I could see all of the various attendees scanning the crowds from both sides, seeking out someone they might recognize. I managed to catch Juniper's eye and saw her face light up. She must have seen the concern in my face because she quickly smiled sadly and shook her head just slightly, indicating that she knew that I was looking for you, but that you weren't coming the whole first part of that ceremony was a lot of standing around while various people from both sides gave speeches about how momentous this occasion was and how this would be a new beginning and blah 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 i'm sure you've seen the broadcast of the event by now so you don't need me to recap the whole thing it was at least a full quarter tide of that before the general reception started and everyone started to mingle and meet up with individual representatives I stood there the whole time, dreading that something had happened that would cause you to miss something like this. During the reception, I was talking with two of the other station commanders when Juniper walked over to us. I was so excited to finally meet her that I almost forgot myself. As she approached, I motioned for the others to quiet down, and we turned and gave her our standard VSA salute, but I switched mine up to a Haimavenan style. She smiled and returned the salute. I smiled back and said, Admiral Fjallstad, welcome to Tenga station. To which she laughed and then launched into one of the best hugs I've ever had. Seriously, she could give Javi a run for his kulits. The two commanders standing with me just stared for a moment and then laughed with us. She apologized and explained why you couldn't make it, which was completely understandable. I even wondered about your appearance on the list if it may be too soon after recent events. But I was excited all the same. We broke away from the others and we were able to sit and talk about a lot of things. Well, mostly about you. She let me know how you were doing with everything that was going on. It certainly was not the same without you there. I made sure to have a photo taken of Juniper and me in our formal dress just for you. I'm attaching it here, but I'm sure that she's already sent it to you. Later that evening, there was a general cocktail party that only a few of the dignitaries went to. Everyone else wanted to rest up for the talks. I didn't see Juniper again until the next cycle. There was a gathering set up for any VSA or HEXA pilots and commanders that wanted to meet and exchange stories, because that's what pilots usually do when they're around each other. I must have told the story of jumping the CS3 into the middle of nowhere at least ten times. Sometime later, maybe two or three Sidruses in, Juniper came walking into the lounge, exclaiming how shocked she was that she wasn't invited to meet the best pilot in the Eluda Von La system. You could tell that I was a few drinks in because I shouted back, "'That's a bold claim, Admiral. Care to put that to the test?' Cheers and jibes went up among all of the others. In a corner of the room, someone had brought a small gaming system that had a simple setup for pilots. It was a simulator that used fictional spacecraft to run an obstacle course. It's something that we use for training basic flight controls and to brush up on flight mechanics. Okay, okay, it's a game, but it's still useful. We weren't allowed to bring in anything that resembled any existing vessels from either of our systems because the security personnel insisted that nothing could be used to garner information. There were two headsets and a flight control system. After a lot of cheers, we persuaded Juniper to play the game, and the monitors displayed the action of both headsets. After two quarter tides of playing, and a lot more drinks pressed into our hands, we ended with a draw. There were a few moments where I was in the lead, but I may have backed off a little bit just to let her catch up. All of this excitement made the next cycle's activities a little more rough for me. There was an early morning session I actually had to attend. It was about the anomaly that was causing issues between our system. I had to present my entire experience with the CS3 and some of the findings that we discovered from the SI logs. Thankfully, there was a presentation already built, and I was able to just follow along and convey my experiences for each stage of the mission. I did okay considering how much I had to drink the night before, but I had a huge headache the whole time. Later that evening, after my hangover had finally passed, all of the visiting dignitaries had their formal send off dinner and what you may even consider a gala party. It was the end of what I can only assume was the first successful mission for these trade talks. I had to assume this because I wasn't invited to most of the actual talks, but it seemed like everyone was happy and having a good time. Once again, we had to be dressed up, and I was there to stand in the corner and be cordial to everyone. So many people were just moving from one conversation to the next. It was here that I actually ran into Harik. I was finally able to work my way around the room like everyone else and I heard someone loudly boasting about how it was his job to save the trade talks. I'm not sure he recognized me at first. I started by standing at the edge of his group and listening to him boast about talking with Minister Gustav Mortensen to come up with the incredible plans to rescue the failing talks. And then I mentioned loudly that while his help was greatly appreciated in the talks he still had quite the summit to climb perhaps it was too soon to present a picture of himself and anyone else as a success until they are ready to seal the deal everyone else around us just nodded and agreed but he looked over at me and the recognition set in I thought he might drop his drink In a group that was right next to us, I started to hear someone coughing up quite a bit and looked over to see Daya doing her best not to laugh. She smiled and nodded to me while holding up her drink. I did the same and smiled back. I remember all of your descriptions of the big gala events that you would go to, and how much fun it would appear that you had, but I have to say, you were right. This was a lot of work. I know that it's nowhere near as big or extravagant as the parties you attended, but at the end of it, I was beat. So many people to talk to and everyone was trying to make some sort of connection that they can use when it was all done. I had a few people come up to me and start chatting, but as soon as they learned that I was only a mission commander and not one of the important people, they would find some excuse to move on to the next conversation. It was fun, but also draining. I had no idea that you have to go through all of this so often. The next cycle, the delegation started packing up to head back to their respective planets and work on the next steps. Before the shuttle left, there was a smaller gathering for any last minute personal exchanges, and I got one last chance to see Juniper before she left. She gave me another hug and managed to slip me a 4th Fleet Admiral's Challenge coin. She mentioned that all of the other gifts for the exchange were tied up with security and would be distributed afterwards, but that she wanted to make sure that this got to me. In return, I reached in my pocket and handed her my own ha She took it and held it in her hand over her heart for a moment. I guess she was aware of what it was. She smiled and then stepped back and saluted me before turning and heading to her shuttle. Just so you know, The ha is a chain that represents each station that you visit, or a significant mission that you're involved in. Each command or major affiliation has one. They design each link, and when you visit, you have it attached to your personal ha You have to get it attached by the station you're visiting because they don't give them out unlinked. Each one is different and custom designed by the station. Some are unique and special to an important person, ship, or mission. To have a very lengthy one is almost like a status symbol. We have a drinking game around them. When you're out with friends who also serve, you can present your Hare. The person who has the longest one, or the one with the rarest link, gets to drink for free that night. I may not have as many links in mind as some of the people in the VSA, but there are only a few that have a link from the Permuka. Yeah we had a special one made for the CS3 mission. Because it's so rare, it usually beats out most others I run across. Speaking of gifts, when they get back to Haimavina, you should have a whole flood of things coming your way, including new swimsuits for all three girls, and maybe one in your size, as well as a case of Sidrus from Javi's father's farm. Special for you is actually a pendant that fits your fieldstone, so that it could be worn as a necklace. I normally keep mine in a pocket on whatever outfit I'm wearing, but I thought that, since you love jewelry so much, you might want a way to wear it in a more prominent way. Don't worry, this time I went through all of the official channels to get something sent the right way, and it was cleared by both Velen and in security. They even said that since the metals used to make it were so common, and that the gifts between our planets were becoming more normal, that you should be able to keep it this time. Whew! That was the bulk of my last few annuls, with travel time between Tenga and all of the work before and after the meeting. Even now, I'm still on my way back, and only managed to get your latest message, because we're close enough to Vela that communication isn't a problem anymore. There's always that space between stations where it's back to the old ways of communicating at the speed of radio waves. I'm glad that you and the girls enjoyed my storytelling. I did my best to make it sound interesting and engaging. I sent a copy of it to Joru for Pei. She said that at 13, she was a little old for bedtime stories, but that it was still appreciated. Can you believe that Pei is 13 already? Pretty soon, your girls are going to be up and moving and talking back. Have you got them selling rocks yet? I will make sure to send the artwork to Navi soon. When I get back, I'm going to be in debrief from the trade mission, and then we'll be able to go home for a little bit of a break. I am sure I will be up on one of the moons soon. It's good that Bjorn had you there to help make his trip back home a little easier. I feel bad that he has to suffer each time he's on board one of the transit vessels. They really do sound cool, especially with the new additions of the vid screens. We have something similar on some of the larger stations, but they don't look like windows at all, just large screens that show scenic views of places on Vela. I think most of the people who visit the stations enjoy the view from space, so they wanted to capitalize on that. Still, anything that helps someone feel better about traveling through the stars is great. I still have hopes that he feels up for the trip should I make it over there. I must have watched the vid of Bjorn acting out with the girls a few times. It was perfect, and I'm filing it away for my own future use with any potential kids, should the council ever work their way through the queues of people filing for a wrongful punishment adjustment. Mom says there are high hopes for my case, especially given my status with the VSA, but the process is a process, and it's going to take time. Your new friend Matt sounds great, and it would appear that he's just what you need while there. A good friend who you can talk about things with and give you an outside perspective. Not that you don't have lots of that around you, but sometimes having a fresh view on things can be a huge help. That, and I'll bet he's great with the girls. Also, it sounds like he might be a perfect match for Javi. Maybe we can find a way to get the two of them together. Aw, I'm so glad to hear that Janine's wedding went well, although I'm a little sad to have missed it. Your description made it sound like it was really the perfect event. Are you sure there was no hijinks that happened? No one started any fights in a bar the night before? The talks at Tanga about the anomaly got me actually kind of angry because if it weren't for whatever is preventing travel, something like her wedding, or even the parties that led up to it, could happen closer to Vela, and we would be able to attend. I know I'm not the only one to feel this way. There was a room full of people there that were trying to figure out what was going on from both sides and how we could solve this problem. I guess I'm not the only one missing important events. Well, I have prattled enough for two transmissions at this point, but I wanted to make sure that you got all of the important details from the trip to Tanga and our two worlds' official first contact. I'm so sad that you weren't able to make it, but now that we know that something like this is possible... At least there's a chance that we can meet there soon. May the waves guide you. Jason, 54. You've been listening to an episode of Binary Saga. The part of CJ is played by Vanessa Shannon Anderson. The part of Jason has been played by Steve Petrocelli. Cho in the Sky music by Justin Nozick. Other music by Eric Matias and soundimage.org. Thank you to our Patreon members, Rob and Mary Carnahan. If you like what we're doing, please consider visiting our Patreon page, which can be found in the Where to Find Us menu on our website. We have multiple levels of support with a lot of fun special features like transcripts and photos. Or if you just want to donate to our Café, Bjor, Sidrus funds, it's always appreciated. You can find us on Twitter and Facebook with TheBinarySaga. Want to ask us questions? You can join us on Discord for general chat. Find all of these links and more information at BinarySaga.com. You can also read the print versions of the entire first and second season in Kindle or paperback form on Amazon. Print versions also include a number of extra stories and background information. Just search for The Binary Saga.